My mom was an elementary school teacher, so I grabbed her keys from the school gym and went in and picked a center block out of the wall and just tried to hit it as many times as I could. Welcome to episode 165 of Alberta Dugout Stories, the podcast. I'm Joe McFarland. He was the first Canadian to be selected in the first round of the Major League Baseball draft, taken 34th overall by the Boston Red Sox in 1996. Chris Rietzma went on to a seven-year MLB and 12-year pro career, best known for his time in Atlanta, where in 2004 he had 84 appearances as the setup man to John Smoltz. Rietzma later groomed another young prospect, Mike Soroka, to be taken in the first round by the Braves in 2015. Giving back to the baseball community in his home province has been a point of pride for the now 44-year-old, as he's now serving as the Senior Director of Baseball Operations and Pitching Director with the Weber Academy Wildcats in Springbank, just west of Calgary. Rietzma recently took some time out of his busy schedule to talk about his entire baseball journey and what he's hoping to build at Weber. Chris, thanks so much for joining us here on the podcast. You bet. Thanks for having me. Let's start off with the Wildcats, your new role as Senior Director, Baseball Operations and Pitching Director. What has you most excited about being a part of this new-ish program? Well, I think, uh, you know, it is new and um, it's it's fun to, to grow something and, and do it the right way in terms of, you know, uh, getting the kids excited from a younger age and watching them progress. And then obviously uh, with this program in particular, um, you know, the facilities that are being built are, uh, are really state of the art and, and they're doing wonderful things in, in Springbank here with, uh, with, you know, a bunch of acres out there and they're putting out, uh, you know, two fully turf fields and then a 50,000 square foot indoor facility, which is going to be state of the art. So, um, lots of reasons to be excited, you know, and, and it's fun to, to grow and build things. Yeah. You mentioned that infrastructure piece and the world's kind of seems to be your oyster to a certain extent to somebody who gets to kind of run the day to day. So you you're seeing the work being put into it right now. How excited are you about not just what's been done to this point, but also about what the future has in store and maybe some of the bigger picture things that are that are happening out in Springbank? Yeah, you know, I think in whenever you are growing something, it's baby steps in terms of being able to, um, for one, you know, grow the program the right way in terms of you know what what kind of teams do you set up at what ages to you know really get the most out of the kids and for them to progress the, the way that they should in the, in the best way that they can right so for instance you know do you do a u18 team a u17 team a u16 how many u15 teams as feeders you know stuff like that where you can kind of dream and and think about the front end of that and and maybe take a look at other models that have worked throughout uh, north america and building programs you know um and then um and then yeah to have this wonderful facility that's basically ours and and where we don't have to rent things and we don't have to worry about time that we you know can or can't spend on that field those fields and and the indoor facility as well so it's kind of uh, really just an ideal situation in in terms of someone who wants to you know grow the game and see the game progress uh, in Calgary and and give these youngsters every opportunity to succeed. Mm -hmm. From a philosophy and expectation standpoint what kind of programs are you hoping to head up there? Well, I mean, we, like right now we have, um, 
the college prep program, which we have currently 35 kids in. Um, so our goal there is to, you know, get kids in from grade 10 through 12 um, into two teams and, and really just play a lot. And, and you know, right now we're at the uh, Weber Academy inside gyms right now working with these kids and, and letting them, you know, uh, grow and mature as their bodies progress and, and um, you know, just giving them the instruction and the throwing programs, and the hitting programs needed to, you know, ready for a, a long 70 game season outside and you know just um from a philosophy standpoint you know like just doing um as much as we can in terms of field time and play time which is uh, you know at the root of every canadian is the issue right as is we run into weather problems we run into time problems and mm-hmm. with these indoor facilities and outdoor door facilities we have we won't have that so you know just make making sure that we're not overloading the bodies but really giving them every opportunity to to succeed and and to grow from a mindset perspective you've seen the game at all different levels what kinds of things do you try to impart on those kids from a from a mind or a mental perspective well i think that you know looking back on my life and seeing what i was remembering what i was like as a 16 17 18 year old kid and then going through the minor leagues and up to the major leagues you know i i've been afforded to to play at all the different levels and and to sit back and say okay what are these kids able to uh, digest mentally in terms of what where they are um and and then get them to think like hey guys this is how a major league player thinks and this is why you know so getting them to understand the challenges of the game of baseball without beating themselves up but really controlling their emotions their aggressions pitch by pitch and winning every pitch and being in control of their the mental side of things um, as the game progresses is something that you know these kids need to know and learn and it you know what it's a magic pill that takes a long time to digest and mm-hmm. um and um you know so we're giving them that pill early and letting them just figure it out in terms of how things they go about their business but even now when we're doing our throwing program and the kids getting frustrated i say okay listen you know, how can we uh, mentally get to the point where we're back on track for this next pitch, next throw, you know? And um, so just, you know, slowly molding and shaping how, you know, a, a professional athlete thinks and, and trying to give them, you know, snippets on the front end so that they, they can understand themselves. I don't want this to sound like a job interview, but at the same time, do you have a vision yourself for this program? Do you do you have an idea as to where you want to see it grow and develop over the next or tw- tw- uh, over the next ten or twenty years? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, it's um, when I was when I was approached for this position. You know, that was one of my my questions. Is you know, what is the vision um, of the um, Weber Athletic Complex, you know, uh, with with the Webers and, and everything they've done for baseball in this area, you know, what is your dream? And they really want to see baseball progress in Calgary. You know, we won't be a program that's going to go recruit throughout the nation. We're going to be a program that is going to, you know, um, get a bunch of local kids that are passionate about it and, and through our doors at age, you know, 14, 15, all the way through 18 and and really just teach and, and wherever that ends up being in terms of a result wise, I'm pretty confident with the people that we have in charge and the people that we have have hired in terms of, um, you know, uh, the coaching staffs and um, we're, we're going to have a great support staff around these kids and, and, you know, facility obviously won't be an issue. So, um, in terms of wanting to quantify what I, you know, my goal is for the program, I think I want to it be it to be a program of, you know, um, teaching young kids how to mature in sport, um, 
growing young men that are responsible and hardworking and with goals. Um, and, um, and that's, you know, the main reason. And then whatever happens in terms of wins and losses, and, and there's going to be a lot of victories and, and I'm sure there'll be some, some failures as well, but that's sport. Um, so my goal is just to build in the lives of kids and really to watch them, watch them grow and progress. Kind of a bigger picture story here, but you've obviously seen the ebbs and flows of baseball in Calgary and in Alberta over the years. I wanted to get your assessment of the scene here. What's being done well here? And maybe what are some of the opportunities for growth? Well, I think, you know, you're seeing a lot of programs pop up um, in Alberta, you know, through, you know, even Vauxhall and the dogs are the two longstanding ones that have kind of uh, stood the test of time a little bit in terms of recruiting kids and, and playing indoors and 12 months a year and whatever it might be. Uh, but there's a lot of uh, organizations throughout the, the province that are popping up, and I think it's great. I think that, um, you know, like I said, the more we can get our young kids to play, the better. That being said, you also want well-rounded athletes. So when I talk to kids, I love two-sport athletes and three-sport athletes, you know, and like make sure that we're spending enough time on baseball and with weight training in the rate throwing programs but also go out and play different sports and i think we're doing that well um as a province and i think that we're always working against you know mother nature in terms of getting outside and you know programs that are, are not afforded the um you know the the wonderful indoor facility that we have you know just just to keep on playing as long as they can throughout the summer and the fall um i think that's getting better i think the emphasis on baseball is is growing um you know obviously we're always going to have the uh hockey and soccer culture just the the way the way that we're set up but you know we're doing our best to try to try to get back in there as a as a sport of baseball to to grow it as best we can Mm -hmm. off air you and i were joking a bit about how this is such a far cry the scene from where it was when you and i were growing up i'm 39 now and i don't remember baseball being a big focus here uh so how crazy is it from your standpoint to look at that aspect in retrospect yeah, it's very crazy. You know, I came through and there was, there wasn't even a junior national team, um, except for like basically you went and if you played for your provincial team, you went to the Baseball Canada Cup and then you, they 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 watched you play throughout the week and then they picked the, the junior national team from that. Now it's a full, you know, 50, 60 game schedule, you know, abroad and and uh, it's you know very difficult to to make that club and stuff like that. But um, you know, when I was coming up, it was I didn't have an indoor facility. I had to throw a ball against the to go to Fox Hollow Golf Dome at like 11 p.m. to throw, you know, against a screen because that was basically all I could do. And then my mom was an elementary school teacher, so I grabbed her keys from the school gym and went in and picked a center block uh, out of the wall and just tried to hit it as many times as I could. And, and that was my – that was my – I didn't really have a lot of uh, coaching, you know. And uh, uh, so now to see these kids and what they're afforded is, is, is quite – um, substantially different. You segued really well into wanting to get into a bit of your baseball background and your story because we talk a lot about hockey and football and soccer and different sports kind of being the preeminent one and two or three in, in Alberta and yet here you were growing up in the, the 90s trying to make it in baseball. How was it that you got into the game in the first place? Well, I, you know what? I, I just love the game from when I was a kid and, and I remember watching the Blue Jays games with my dad and I'm like, I, I know I can do that. I can do that someday. And I was always a big kid that could, you know, throw, throw a little faster than the other kids and just kind of was able to, to, you know, pick it up quickly physically. Um, and then my love for it, just, it just, I don't know. I just could get enough of it. I watched every game I could and I was watching the, you know, any game that was on TV, I'd just watch and watch and watch and try to learn. And, um, 
you know, sometimes you can't explain uh, why you love the things you love. It just it just came up, and it just, I had a burning passion for it, and um, and it was just something where I kind of didn't think it was strange that no one else was really playing a lot, but I I sure wanted to, and um, and I tried to you know get in like I said school gyms and unorthodox ways of getting better, but it seemed to work out to the point where I was able to progress to an 18 year old and get to professional baseball. Mm -hmm. Was there a moment or a time frame when it turned from passion to, okay, maybe there's something here. Like maybe you had a shot at chasing this crazy baseball dream in Canada. Yeah, it was, um, you know, I'd probably say when I was uh, 17, uh, I was invited down to uh, Cincinnati, Ohio, where they had this big national showcase event where they'd bring the top grade 11 students from uh, the United States where you could play against each other for a week. And then it was, you know, it's a scout's dream because you get the kids for the, the draft the next year all playing against each other at the same time. And at the time, I was the first and only Canadian invited. And I was like, oh, man, like, I don't know where I'm going to stack up. And I remember thinking, like, I remember my dad telling me, hey, just go out there and, and you know, do whatever you got. You got nothing to lose. And who knows how you're going to stack up. And I went down there and, and um, you know, coming out of that week, I, I think I was ranked in the top uh, eight or ten high school kids in North America at that time. And and um, that was kind of an aha moment, like, oh, boy, I think I might have something here. And, and, and it was just, you know super fun from that point on right was it all personal drive for you because i look at it from today's standpoint and you go you've got youtube you've got a, a gazillion channels on tv they can watch your heroes play every single night if you want to and yet you know back in the the 90s you didn't necessarily have satellite or cable or you certainly didn't have youtube as prevalent as it is now so what were you trying to uh, how were you able to kind of mold your game into what it became I just, you know, like I said, I, I, I'd come home from school and I'd watch the Atlanta Braves play on TBS, and then, you know, I'd hopefully be able to turn into the the Blue Jays game at night. I just watched and watched and watched. You know, I loved, uh, you know, Oral Hershiser and you know, like Dave Steeb and you know, all these guys just want to emulate my game after the and then what made them successful. And it was just something that, uh, you know, that worked for me in terms of learning that way and then trying to emulate that you know by myself but uh yeah kids nowadays have the opportunity to <laughs> to have all this at their fingertips and if they miss a game they can just you know, go back and watch it later and you know or whatever it might be and, and i obviously I didn't have that but mm -hmm. um yeah you know passion it was just a passion from a young age for sure it's amazing how it turned out because it's turned into a 12-year pro career seven years in the majors looking back on it all any favorite memories or times that really stand out to you well, you know, I, yeah, going to the playoffs a couple of years with Atlanta was a lot of fun. Obviously, we we won a couple of division championships there. I was able to um, start a game in my rookie year against Randy Johnson when he and he tied the major league record for strikeouts in a game when he struck out twenty, and I was able to pitch against him that day. Um, that was a highlight. Um, you know, I was able to play with multiple Hall of Famers. You know, from uh, King Griffey Jr. to Barry Larkin to Chipper Jones to Ichiro, all those guys. And, you know, it's fun to, to look back and reminisce and, and you know, think about all the wonderful memories I was able to, to make with friendships over the years. Um, but uh, now as I'm getting older, it just seems like it's more in the rearview mirror. But I, it's, it is fun to reminisce and, and think about where I've what I've been able to do and, and fortunate to do. In the moment, did you catch yourself starstruck at any time or moments where you went, oh, I'm going to have to strike this guy out? Yeah, yeah. There was a couple times. I remember in my my rookie year, and it was it was two thousand and one, so it was very recent after um, you know um, 
Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa had that home run chase in the late mm-hmm. 90s. And I remember watching those guys, you know, on TV when I was in the minor leagues. And all of a sudden, you know, now batting for the Cardinals, number 25, Mark McGuire. I'm like, holy cow, I'm facing Mark McGuire. <laughs> like, <laughs> just pinch yourself. Um, but, um, you know, after, over time, those things kind of go away. And you just try to make pitch by pitch and go from there. But um, yeah, there, was, there were times where... When I was uh, younger, there was a little bit of me being starstruck. So. Of all the guys that you faced over the course of your career, did anybody have your number? Were there guys that really you, you hated pitching against or p- guys that you loved pitching against because it was that cat and mouse kind of game? Oh, yeah. I mean, like, I, um, there was lots of guys that had my number. I was just happy to stay up there, right? <laughs> um, but <laughs> um, guys that could kind of combine um, – you know, looking the other way as a right-handed hitter, looking to right center field, but then being quick enough and strong enough to turn on the inside fastball and, and uh, with power, right? So it's it's the guys that were hit for average hit for power, like Albert Pujols back in his prime was. Um, there was nowhere to go. Like, you're just like, okay, you had this covered and this covered and this covered. And, you know, I mean, you just – it was very difficult uh, at bat. Um, you know, guys like A-Rod and Barry Bonds and all those guys, I faced, faced all of them, but, um, you know, there was lots of guys that had my number, I guess, to answer your question. <laughs> um, uh, it was it was fun to compete against those guys. Absolutely. Uh, after your playing career, you got into coaching and obviously got back into the spotlight with the work that you did with uh, Mike Soroka. Wanted to know, what was it about him that made you believe that he could go as far as you did? Um, well, there's lots of things. You know, he was from a very young age. I think I started working with him at age 13 and to see he always was a big kid always had some arm speed and can spin it and the intangibles that were there for you know he's going to get bigger and stronger and whatever but i think more above the physical attributes was a mental side of things where he could ask the really appropriate great questions as a 14 15 year old you're like wow like he's getting this at this age and he's able to implement what i'm saying and like it was really special Mm -hmm. um and then having him on the junior national team for a couple of years before he got drafted, I just I saw this progression of a kid that could really manipulate the baseball in the strike zone and sink it and cut it and really command it and was very poised. So all those things, and then you just dream thinking, okay, well, if he gets to the point physically where he can, you know, compete at the highest level, then the stuff between the years is something that was a natural talent for him. Um, so just a pleasure to work with him over the years, but um, lots of things made him very special Mm -hmm. he's had some great highs already he's also had some challenges including the recent injury bug um what advice have you been able to give him in terms of dealing with those up and downs and and what's in your eyes the key for his uh, successful return i just try to keep him positive at this point you know and and he's had a couple really tough injuries with the achilles going twice there and um you know i i talked to him at times about my struggles uh, going through the injury stuff where I, I actually broke my elbow throwing and going back from that and having doctors saying that they didn't think that it was going to work and, and, you know, basically just, just moving on and continuing to be positive. So that's kind of been my thoughts to him. And, you know, when he gets back to Calgary, we hang out quite a bit and just, you know, just I'm there for him. And, and it's more of a, it's more of a friendship at this point, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. I'm, I mean, we talk mechanics, we talk, you know, setting hitters up, but at the same time, you know, he's been at the highest level now for a while. And, you know, we, we, we kind of see the game the same way, but it's more just the mental part of, of the game and, 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 and life stuff, you know, and it's mm-hmm. just a 
pleasure to be part of his uh, progression and, and his life. It's, he's a special guy. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I noticed when I was reading a couple of articles about your relationship is that uh, you were called his guiding light, especially in the early years. And uh, you've obviously had a tremendous impact on on him and others. So, But I'm curious, looking back on it, who had that impact on you? Who was your guiding light? Well, you know, there was there were some coaches along the way that that were able to help me with some things, but I think my biggest guiding light was my father, um, just being someone that was always with me and, and always positive with me, and, and he did a great job keeping the game of baseball in perspective. And um, he was diagnosed with Parkinson's disease, and eventually he ended up passing away from that. But uh, through his struggles, he was able to teach me a lot about life, and um, he was someone that always I looked up to and. And admired him so probably my father to answer that question yeah. mm-hmm. uh, you've played you've coached you've represented Canada you've done a lot over the course of your career to this point and still a long long way to go here but looking back on what you've accomplished to this point what's been the most gratifying part of it all that's an interesting question you know I mean <laughs> I think different parts of it have been gratifying um, obviously the playing part of it getting to the major leagues and staying there for a while was a blessing um, being able to coach the junior national team uh, for years on end it was a blessing to help out these young young kids uh, the next generation of, of major league players in Canada from Canada it's been very fun um, you know I was able to get into the scouting world and do that for a long time and see the different sides of sport um, and of professional sport and and uh, that was a blessing as well but you know as time goes on you you kind of think about what you want to do because I've had opportunities to go back and do different things and and you know the thing that keeps coming back to me is I just love working with kids and I love building in their lives and you know what if I can motivate a kid to really dream and and work hard at something um you know that's kind of where I'm why I'm doing what I'm doing um you know I want to stay home I want to see my wife and my children grow up and and I want to I want to you know, use my skill set, and um, that's why I'm. That's the main reason I'm with with uh, Wildcat Baseball right now is to to build into the lives of these kids and and to help out. And and really, that's something that I'm passionate about and I'm excited about. Uh, conversely, what's been the toughest part of this journey so far, and how have you been able to maybe overcome some of that adversity that's come your way? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, when you're playing, you're inundated with, like, it's the first thing you think about in the morning, the last thing, you know, it's on TV before you go to bed, and it's just like this all-encompassing thing. So I think in order to keep all of just sport in perspective is very difficult. And I think when I was playing, looking back, I I think the hardest thing for me was just to try to enjoy the moment um, instead of, you know, constantly feeling pressure or constantly feeling like you had to do something or constantly feeling like you weren't good enough or whatever it might be. So like that perspective of, um, a perspective of just in trying to enjoy the moment and, and prepare the best you can and be okay with not being perfect, um, is, is, is a, is a challenge. And then I think, you know, on the flip side of that, I, I, I think that at the end of my career, um, after I finished playing and, and went home and, and then had to kind of rebuild my life in terms of, you know, uh, who I was. And, and, mm-hmm. and I wasn't Chris Reesman, the player anymore. I was, you know, I was uh, at the coach or whatever it might have been. And and just to, to be able to rebuild your life without playing was a little bit of a challenge, I would say. Um, but for the most part, you know, I've been so blessed with great family and friends and, and support staff, support people around me. Um, that I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm, there's not too many downsides, and I'm, I'm pretty thankful for everything that happened. 
Fantastic stuff. A couple more questions for you here before we let you go. Uh, when you're talking to your athletes with the Wildcats or you have any other group of kids you have their ear, what's your biggest piece of advice or wisdom for those looking to maybe follow in your footsteps or Mike Soroka's footsteps and become a Canadian big leaguer? Well, <clears throat> I think my, to, to first of all have a goal and have a dream, you know, have have something where you you tangibly say, okay, I, I have a goal of playing at a Division One college. Okay, how are we going to get there? And what's a short term goal, mid term goal, long term goal, and able to get and able to get me uh, um, to that spot, and just get the, getting them to able to be able to believe in the dream, to believe in the process, and then work with them on the on the uh, on the goal sets i think that's uh, that's probably my biggest piece of advice is being realistic but working hard and, and trying to achieve goal by goal week by week last but certainly not least it's the last question we ask everybody here on the podcast what does the game of baseball mean to you well i think it means it means a lot to me i mean i i've always loved it um it's it's been great to me it's been great to my family i've been able to you know um fulfill a lot of dreams through it uh, been able to make a living at it been able to influence some kids uh, and you know have a platform to to talk about things that i think are important um so yeah the game of baseball is is extremely important to me um it is just part of life and it's not the most important thing to me but i i really do love it and i still love it today and that's why i'm doing what i'm doing it's fantastic well chris really appreciate your time again congratulations on all the success you've had over the course of your career continued success as you move along with the wildcats and the future there and again thank you so much for joining us here on the podcast hey you bet thanks for having me Thanks again to Chris Rietzma for joining us this week, and thanks to all of you for downloading and listening. If you haven't already, leave us a rating and review on your app of choice, as those actions help spread the word about our podcast. We'd also like to take a moment right now to thank our Platinum supporters. The Okotoks Dogs have been making plenty of noise recently as they announce commitments for the 2022 WCBL season. Check them out on social media or head to dogsbaseball.ca. And AHP Academy is quickly becoming a force to be reckoned with in getting young players into collegiate programs. They're all over social media as well, and you can see them at ahpbaseball.com. Thanks again to you for all of your support, no matter the platform of Alberta Dugout Stories.